All right, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Join with me across the table. That is the one, the only, Ryan Shumpert. Ryan, man, we have football on the minds right now. How good does it feel just to kind of be entering back into this territory now? We have SEC Media Days in the rear view. We have fall practice right on the horizon. How good does that feel? Hey, it does feel good, and you're right. It feels like we're just knocking right on the door of football season. And, you know, when, once baseball season ends, uh, you kind of are in somewhat of a football mode, but uh, you're still obviously, you know, at that point, two months away from the season actually starting. And then you got baseball off season and baseball draft, but we got all that in the rear view. We got the official, you know, to start a talking season and SEC media days in the rear view. And it really is fall practice right on the horizon. And uh, before too long, Tennessee will be taking the field at, at Nissan stadium first Saturday of September. Yeah. And that's exactly that's kind of exactly where we're going with this podcast, Ryan. This is not going to be a, a typical press pass podcast where we have a lot of news to break down. We have some stories to break down. This is kind of a special summer edition here right before fall camp starts, kind of in that month or so. And we want to talk about the schedule. Now, <laughs> let's let's take a step back here when we talk about the schedule. We are going to be talking about this before fall camp even starts. There are... Ryan, I think I could count a million different things if you gave me the time, variables, if you will, that could change the course of the season from now until whenever each of these games comes. So there's obviously a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of things to see and figure out and find out during fall camp, but we just kind of want to take a, a broad look at the schedule right here, give you some initial early thoughts on each games, maybe some win-losses. Now, don't hold us to it perfectly. But we're going to try to give you a good idea here uh, as the month of July wraps up, as the month of August begins. What do you say? How does that sound to you? Yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, we might even – we'll do our, you know, official record predictions, I'm sure, some point in the week uh, of the Virginia game. So uh, we may even have our mind changed, but uh, I feel <laughs> like every college football fan sits around in the month of July at some point or, or maybe early August and, and runs through the schedule – uh, with, with their friends or, or whoever else, their family, and, and does some predictions. So uh, we figured we'd get it on the fun. We did it last year. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, we both underestimated Tennessee last year now that I think about it. So yeah. we'll, we'll see uh, where, where what we're feeling like about Duvall's as we get ready to start fall camp. Yeah, certainly. And that was obviously the so much of just the discourse going on at, at SEC Media Days and predictions and all that kind of stuff. So what do you say we stop wasting time and we jump right into it? Looking at the 2023 Tennessee Volunteers football schedule, we know that they went 10-2 last year with losses to Georgia and South Carolina. A big win against Alabama, a big win against Florida, a big win against Kentucky. Some of those games, though, to me, are going, to me even, and this is just at first glance, but to me even some of those biggest games being on the road, I think that is going to make for a, a maybe a more challenging overall schedule. But let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Let's see if that's true by the end of this. Ryan, coming up, the season opener on Saturday, September 2nd, Tennessee travels to the Mid-State to Nissan Stadium in Nashville to take on Virginia. That's going to be an early game, ABC. It's going to be hot. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be steamy. It's going to be sweaty if you're in attendance. But hey, that's just an early September game right there in Nashville. What are your initial thoughts about this one? Well, that's really my initial thoughts about it is that 
it is an early September game. First game with turf. In yeah, new, new field, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it, noon, high noon, or I guess it'll be 11 a.m. local time. That It just sounds extremely hot. Uh, so that's my first thought, and that's my first thought because this isn't expected to be a very good Virginia team. They went 3-7 and seven last year. Brendan Armstrong, the quarterback, who was actually pretty good despite them being 3-7, and seven, transferred to North Carolina State uh, this offseason. So uh, it's a game Tennessee should – really easily take care of. And we'll talk more about the, this next game in a minute, but I think UTSA uh, is a much more challenging game uh, for Tennessee in a non-conference slate, despite the fact that uh, the Roadrunners come to Knoxville in the Virginia game. It's at a neutral site. Obviously, it'll be heavy Tennessee fans, uh, but still not quite the environment you'll get at uh, Neyland Stadium. So I think this is one Tennessee uh, will take care of and win pretty handedly. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I think that, well, when you look at it, the last time that Tennessee was in Nashville behind the arm of Joe Milton, it was a rainy downpour of a game at Vanderbilt. This is obviously going to be the opposite, right? It's going to be hot. It's going to be uh, steamy. Now, I guess we there could be a certain weather forecast down the road, but I just plainly expect it to be hot. And Ryan, I, I agree with you. I think that Tennessee football this is an opportunity to come out to start the to start the season on a right note, get a big win, get the offense comfortable, get some of the newcomers comfortable. And even if you go back to the Virginia football team, not that this is carrying over into this year I would expect it a lot to be maybe maybe some things here and there but this is actually a program that that canceled its final game of the 2022 season after the tragic shooting uh, that took place in kind of mid-November on campus there so they had a lot of things to figure out at the end of last season Uh, again I don't expect that to carry over into this season but at least just an interesting note but I do agree that this is one that Tennessee should be able to handle and win move right on to week two which is going to be a home contest, the home opener against Austin P on SEC uh, Network Plus, ESPN Plus. Austin P, the governors coming to Knoxville. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's much to really say about this one. <laughs> uh, it's Tennessee's uh, FCS game of the year. Austin P's in the Ohio Valley Conference, so they're not even uh, an FBS team. You know, they've kind of been up and down over uh, the last. I don't know, five, six years now. Obviously, they had, I think, a two- or three-year stretch where they didn't even win a game. Will Healy came in there and got that program turned around before leaving to take the Charlotte job, and I think they've come back down to earth a little bit. So we're talking about an average FCS team, you know, not not anything that should present any sort of problem to Tennessee. Yeah, I would certainly agree with you, and you're right. There's not much to say on it. That's why I threw it to you first. I wanted to let you get the ball rolling on it. But there's certainly not going to be as much to talk about this game as really any other game on Tennessee's schedule. I think this is the one that uh, yep. you'll see reserves. And, and those reserves, to me, some of these games at the beginning of the season are so important because, yeah, you might not be playing a, a guy a ton, one of the newcomers, one of the younger players. You might not be playing him a ton throughout the season, but we did see how a guy like Dylan Sampson increasingly found a role throughout the season. I think just getting those guys good touches here in some of these early games, some of these blowout games it, it is always helpful. So that's immediately just kind of one of my main storylines for that. But then we move right into maybe a controversial game. I guess we'll figure out after the discourse here. Saturday, September 16th. 7 o'clock p.m. at night Eastern time. Tennessee travels to Florida to take on the Gators for, for what, the second time in the Billy Napier era. Ryan, this one is, again, immediately a little bit of a challenging pick. I I, I know that Tennessee is the better team here. I, I, I would be interested to see if you would agree with me on that. But just kind of the 
the surroundings of it. I've watched a lot of Tennessee football in my day. I know you have too. The idea of going into the swamp at 7 p.m., to me, even with the better team, that's still a little bit of a a nerve-wracking thought a little bit. I feel good about this, but that's at least my initial thought. Maybe you can sway me one way or the other. What do you think about it? I think you got you kind of got the gist of it. I don't think there's any doubt Tennessee's the better team. And, you know, you look at Florida, they entered a season, their over-under win total, according to Las Vegas Sportsbooks, is five and a half. That's Vanderbilt's the only team lower in the conference. So this is a team that there's not a whole lot of belief in publicly, uh, certainly not a whole lot of belief in from the odds makers in, in the desert either. So it's a game Tennessee should win. Um, but as you said, as I think is kind of in the back of everyone's head, you know, Tennessee – Hasn't played well uh, against Florida in the last two decades. They haven't won a game. It'll be 20 years this fall since they last won in Gainesville in 2003. Uh, So that's kind of the question mark of it. And I think it's a combination of that and the fact that it's a new starting quarterback for Tennessee and Joe Milton. This is the the first test for Tennessee as a team. Uh, But more importantly, well, maybe not more importantly, but just as importantly, it's the first test for Joe Milton. And this is a game if Tennessee's offense goes out and plays well, scores 35 points, they'll win the game. Uh, as flawed as Tennessee's defense was last year and could be again this year. Florida is not an offense that's going to be built to really take advantage of that and it'd be a team that can win uh, kind of in a track meet or super high-scoring game. But they still have some some talent on defense, and, and if t- Milton doesn't play well and, and Tennessee struggles, all of a sudden it could be a close game in the fourth quarter, and I think that's what you really worry about if you're Tennessee. And what is already set for a night game should be a really good environment. It's going to be – Maybe not a must-win game for Florida, but a really, really important game for Billy Napier early in the second season is, again, he's not on the hot seat entering year two, but year one didn't go well, and they aren't supposed to be good in year two. So there's pressure on Napier uh, already, and it's going to be a huge game for him, and I think it's just a game where all eyes are on Joe Milton because, if, like you said, Tennessee's the more talented team, Tennessee's the better team. If they get good play at the quarterback position, they should win this game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that ultimately – Man, what you said is really correct, right? You don't want this game pushing into 10 o'clock p.m. at night to 10.30 p.m. at night because if that happens, that means it's a close game in the fourth quarter. That means the fans are likely going to be able to make a big impact towards the end of the game. And obviously, that just puts a little bit more question marks up in the air. I do think that this is a game that Tennessee can win based on the components that it has. And like we've just been saying, based on the fact that Tennessee has a better football team than Florida, obviously, who knows? I, I do think that this is going to be a a massive season for Billy Napier, but in a lot of ways, to me, Billy Napier is the the key to this season. I think so much of it rides on him for what Florida can or can't do. I think he has to be able to coach well for the Gators to play well. I, I just think a lot of those things are going to fall on his shoulders. So where are you leaning for this game? Are, are you leaning towards a win or a loss in week three for Tennessee? I'm giving Tennessee a win. I mean, it's it's easy to go the other way and kind of lean into Tennessee's struggles, and this is just a place that, that they can't play well and they can't win a team they can't win against. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Tennessee is the far superior team. doesn't mean this game isn't losable, um, but it's, you know, the logic points too too far to Tennessee for me to, to let emotion sway me the other direction. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that, 
a third, and I might even be getting ahead of myself a little bit, so maybe we'll have to backtrack on this, but I think that a third loss on the entire season as a whole could come here. I think it's maybe more likely to come here than some of the other games, just again, because of the surroundings, because of the situation, because of the circumstances, but I am going to go with you as well. I think that this is a game that Tennessee almost needs Maybe, maybe needs is a strong word right now, but in order to carry the momentum from last year, in order to get a good start in the, this Joe Milton uh, season right here, I think this is just a, a massive game for Tennessee and for the program as a whole to be able to go into the swamp and do something that happens very, very infrequently around here for this football program. So, so okay, so we're in agreement. We're 3-0 heading into week four. Ryan, you mentioned this game a second ago. UTSA, we've talked about it a good bit. I, I think it's not the world's biggest secret anymore for people in Knoxville, but UT San Antonio is a pretty, pretty little sneaky good football team. They had a great season last year. Yeah, I mean, they've been good really each of the last two years, honestly. They went 11-3 and three last year. Uh, they bring back their starting quarterback, Frank Harris, who's a six, now a six-year senior. Uh, he threw for 4,000 yards last year, 32 touchdowns, ran for 600 yards too. So uh, it is a talented UTSA team, you know, one of the better especially if you take the AAC out of it, one of the better, you know, non-Power 5 or, or six top six conference teams in the country. And I think you combine that just with where it's at at the schedule and the fact that it's just pure trap game uh, location. You're right after Florida and you are right before South Carolina and kind of in an opposite opposite way of the Florida game, where I mentioned in the Florida game, if Tennessee scores 35, they'll win. And I think that makes it a good matchup for them. Not to say that Tennessee, you know, won't win with 35 points against UTSA, but, you know, I can easily see the case where Tennessee comes out a little flat in this game and the offense doesn't play great, whether they win or lose the week before at Florida. And UTSA is going to be able to score. UTSA might be, you know, I can see a scenario where UTSA is up 21-17 or 21-14 at halftime when Tennessee's offense just comes out a little sluggish. Tennessee's going to need to score in this game to win, most likely. At least UTSA is very capable of putting up points on Tennessee's defense. So, I think Tennessee wins. I'm not going to go to the extent of saying, all right, this is a game Tennessee's going to get upset in. But it is, you know, of the schedule, I'd say this in the Kentucky game, which we'll get to later, or kind of two games at the worst spot possible for Tennessee or or puts them uh, in a spot where they're a little vulnerable. Um, And I think it, it again, is we'll see quickly. The Florida game is going to be just such a – what's the word I'm looking for? Such a – turning point or an inflection point in the season sure. where if they lose that game and all of a sudden you got to come play a good UTSA team, you got to flip that sc- flip that switch mentally quickly. And if Joe Milton plays bad against Florida and come back and plays, isn't playing well in the first half against UTSA, yeah. things are going to get toxic pretty quickly, I think from the fan base. And there's all of a sudden going to be lots of pressure and a lot of negative noise around this Tennessee team and Joe Milton. And on the other side, if Tennessee wins the Florida game, uh, you would hope, even if this game's closer than you would think, uh, that they would be able to respond and you know find a way to, to carry on and win. Yeah, you know what? This might not be the game that Tennessee wants just on the direct opposite side of that big question mark that is the Florida game. Ryan, for the reasons that you just put with, you know, and, and so much of what this season will boil down to, and you've written about this, we've spoken about this, is Joe Milton being the quarterback. That is the biggest X factor. That is the biggest quarterback, despite two two fairly promising games at the end of last season. You know, when I think about this game uh, and last, well, I guess the week before against Florida as well, 
Ryan, I figure for those that partake, there's going to be plenty of alcohol consumption among the Tennessee fan base for those two weeks, right? For the Florida game, it's going to be the the passion of the rivalry, the anger, the rage, the excitement, right? We all know what fuels kind of the alcohol consumption of a rivalry game. Now, for the UTSA game, I think that there might be some alcohol consumption from the fan base because of a little bit of stress. Maybe, again, because they didn't entirely know that a game could go like that for Tennessee. It's strength versus strength. Here's an interesting stat going back to last year, uh, UTSA's fantastic season. The Roadrunners were 10-0 and when hitting more than 65% of its passes last season, 1-3 and when it didn't. That's a big step for Tennessee's secondary. They're going to have to be good. They're going to have to contain Frank Harris, who, by the way, is a career 67% passer. So the secondary is certainly something I'm looking at to step up for Tennessee's defense there. It's going to be a big test right after the right after the Florida game. Who Florida's quarterback, whoever it be, Grant Mertz or somebody else, they're not going to be more of a running quarterback. So the secondary is going to be tested there. They're going to be tested again against UTSA. But I'm with you. I, I, I do think that ultimately this is a game that Tennessee could win, despite it giving a little bit of a challenge. Uh, and certain areas here in Knoxville. I think that's a good point talking about the pass defense. And I would even, you mentioned the secondary, I would particularly point to the pass rush and look, well, what games did really one Tennessee's defense play really good in last year and really the games Tennessee's defense played well and were just the games that its pass defense was good because its run defense was good just about every game. It was the LSU and Kentucky game. The common theme, both those teams had really bad offensive lines or injured offensive lines, and Tennessee was able to overwhelm them with the athleticism of its pass rush. UTSA could very easily fall into that same category. So that's something that I will point to in this game I think will be key. It is the being having an effective pass rush and also being able to kind of contain the legs of Frank Harris. Who did they beat last year in their bowl game? Or maybe it was a close loss, but who did they play? Do you, do you remember off the top of your head? I do not, but I have the schedule that I can pull up real quickly. They lost to Troy, who was ranked closely in the bowl game. They also lost close games. They lost in three overtimes to Houston, and then they lost by a couple of touchdowns to Texas last year. Those were okay. Those were three losses. Uh, obviously, only two came in the regular season. They won nine straight games between the Texas game and the bowl game as they won uh, Conference USA. Funny enough, I feel like there was a there was some kind of USA soccer game going on during that game, and I remember trying to bounce between both TVs, despite not being a soccer fan myself. I had other people watching, and I just want that to be on the record. I was not purposely, actively <laughs> watching soccer for my reputation. Ryan, let's jump to another game here on the schedule, getting close to the halfway point of the season, and when you talk about revenge for yeah. the football program, for the fan base, for the city in some ways – this is the first game that you point at, not even the Georgia game later on. I think it's this one that you look at. September 30th, South Carolina comes to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. We don't know what time it's going to be. I'm interested to see what, what, what the time is going to be first and foremost. But again, there's a lot of emotion that's going to be heading into this game. This is a South Carolina program that feels like that win against Tennessee vaulted them maybe just as good as, if not maybe even a little more than Tennessee in kind of this new rising SEC ranks. If you look at Tennessee, Tennessee people are saying, hey, look, that was a fluke. Our quarterback went down. There were external problems on the team. There were internal problems. That was a fluke. We will be able to strike vengeance. We will be able to strike back, if you will, to use an empire reference coming up to end September. What do you make of this game? How big is it going to be? Is it going to be kind of the revenge game that it's kind of been 
almost built up to be over the last year since that loss. Well, Tennessee, you know, certainly hopes so. That's what they're going to be pointing to. Um, and I think it's it's a game that I just don't really necessarily have a great feel for. The one thing I will note to start, you mentioned the game time. Uh, I, I pull, I have it pulled up here, uh, the the games that week in the SEC. And it's okay. a heavy slate. you got Texas A&M in Arkansas. Well, not at Arkansas. I'll be in Jerry's world in uh, your neck of the woods in Dallas. Yep. Georgia at Auburn. Florida at Kentucky. Alabama at Mississippi State. LSU at Ole Miss. Missouri at Vanderbilt. You know, we'll see how all that – there's a lot of games that are somewhat similar, and, you know, the first month of the football season will probably indicate a lot of these. But, again, I look at that and I kind of think, you know, that might that could very well be a noon game. It could be a night game too, but sure. it, to me, it's more likely to be a noon game. Even as bad as Auburn's expected to be, I still see Georgia-Auburn being CBS. And then I think A&M, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi State, even LSU Ole Miss, really all of those games could all be – argued to get a night game over Tennessee, South Carolina. And boy, has that been a continuous theme in this series uh, going back to the 2011 game in Columbia. Ever since then, every other game in Columbia has been played at night, 2013, 15, 17, 19. <laughs> no, that's bad math. Since the 2012 game. So 2014, <laughs> 16, 18, 20, and 22, all night games in Columbia. No games in that time frame have been night games in Knoxville. Uh, the 2019 game was like a 4:30 game, so that was kind of close. Uh, but Tennessee's gotten uh, the raw end of the stick of where they have to play South Carolina in the game times. But when you look at the South Carolina team, uh, it's just a game that I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect from Spencer Rattler. We yeah, we went the last off season, and South Carolina was one of those teams where it's like I, I don't know what to expect, largely because I can just see the quarterback play going in so many different directions. And now we've watched a full year of South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, and I feel the exact same way. I mean, he was bad for most of the season. Obviously, he was amazing in the Tennessee game. He was good against Clemson. He was good in the bowl game that they lost to Notre Dame. Uh, so maybe he has turned the corner, and South Carolina has a really good quarterback. If that's the case, this is going to be a really hard game for Tennessee if Rattler plays more like we saw him for most of last season. And you combine that with the players that South Carolina lost in the transfer portal. Uh, they lost to Tot blanking on the tight end names Jaheim Bell uh they yeah. lost the running back Marshawn Lloyd I think he transferred to I was going to say USC Southern Cal uh out in <laughs> uh, the, the USC of the West Coast the other so, one despite what has is been a lot of positive momentum for South Carolina they've lost some key players especially on the offensive side so the offense to me it's hard to know what to expect I think the defense will be good uh I don't expect a route like it did two years ago but uh, I will lean towards thinking Tennessee has more talent Tennessee's at home revenge i think there's more things pointing to tennessee winning this yeah. game but again it, it's just a lot about south carolina that i feel like we don't know right now or i'm unsure of right now that we'll probably have a better idea of when we roll into the first weekend of october yeah absolutely yeah you know i i think that this is going to be one of the more energetic games here, here in Neyland. and obviously the times are going to affect that and, and the times are kind of going to kind of going to scale these games but I think just on paper this is one of the more exciting games for people around Tennessee just again because of the previous history that we've talked about Ryan you bring up a lot of good points during that excuse me one of the big things about South Carolina is that yes they lost a lot of talent but there's still a lot to like about their team. I, I still think that there's obviously good components. I do think that maybe Tennessee is going to be a little bit fortunate in getting them 
earlier in the season this year as opposed to the penultimate game of the season last year. One of those reasons, I think, is A, because you don't have Spencer Rattler getting a whole season to kind of find his groove, even though, like you're saying, it took him a little while last year. Tennessee was one of the victims of that groove being found very late in the year. But I also think that one of the things why it's more beneficial to get them early in the season this year, because they're bringing in a new, bringing in a new offensive coordinator as well. I believe that is Dowell Logans. I think that's how you, you pronounce his name coming over from Arkansas. He brought a tight end with him, Trey Knox, who Tennessee was maybe in the mix for a little bit, but Murfreesboro I, kid. Yeah, there you go. Murfreesboro. I knew there was some kind of connection. So thank you for, uh, for throwing that back in, but Again, I think that there are a little bit of question marks around this team. I I wonder what this offense is going to look like with a new offensive coordinator that came from Arkansas, who did kind of struggle a little bit in that department next year. But maybe a fresh sense of scenery gives him a little bit of a boost. Either way, I do think that there's question marks about this team. But the simple fact that Tennessee has this game at home, I think they're, they're going to be coming off of a win. And if they're coming off of two wins, it means they're still going for that undefeated season halfway in the year. I think that that is going to give Tennessee see enough momentum, uh, enough kind of fight, enough challenge to be able to pull this game off at home. But I do think you're right. Maybe it's not as, I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe it's just one of the more kind of wait and see games to, uh, on the schedule. Wait and see how these teams kind of effectively go through the first couple games of their schedule, and then it might be get easier to gain an idea, see what some of these new coaching additions add in. Uh, but I do think that ultimately this can be a win for Tennessee. I think that it will be a win for Tennessee right now. Uh, and those are just some of the reasons to, uh, as to why, I guess. Yeah, it's it, one of the more important games on Tennessee's schedule. I mean, I think you look at it and the first three SEC games are all games that you would favor Tennessee in, but probably not by more than a touchdown. Uh, and Florida's probably about it, maybe seven and a half points. But in that range, all three of them are losable. All three of them are games that Tennessee should win. We'll get to the last of those uh, here in a second. That one's maybe the more the most talented team. Um, but those are kind of the games that will set the stage of whether Tennessee is in the hunt uh, to try to win the SEC East to make it back to a New Year's Six Bowl, or if they're going to be kind of playing from behind, just trying to get uh, to eight and four, nine and three on the season. The first weekend of October will be a bye week. So make sure you have that on the calendar. After South Carolina, Tennessee has a bye week. And then, what a weird game on the schedule just because of the way it finished out last year, because of what is going to be coming up this year, because it's coming to Knoxville. How about the Texas A&M Aggies? It'll be Jimbo Fisher. It'll be Bobby Petrino making his return to the conference. Ryan, it'll be my whole family coming up from Texas to Knoxville for this game. It's a big one. It's one of the weirder ones. Again, this is this is one where you know what happened to AM last year. You know how things kind of crumbled. You know how it fell down. They have been able to rebuild a little bit. They have a lot of really good pieces on this team. Just what is this this rebound going to look like? What is Bobby Petrino's offense going to look like with the Aggies? To me, this is a strange one. And one here late July, early August, without even knowing what AM looks like from fall practice or anything like that, I, I don't know. I, that's not saying that I think it's a loss. I just, I don't, this is a weird one because AM's kind of a weird team right now. No, you're 100% right. And I, I talked about South Carolina not knowing what to expect. Uh, this is even more so with Texas <laughs> yeah. A&M. And look, we're talking about a team that, like you said, went 5-7 and seven last year, but there's a reason that 
they're basically viewed no worse than the fifth best team in the SEC entering this year. And that's because they have a lot of talent, especially on the defense side of the ball. This should be a really good team defensively. And then offensively, it's the two big question marks. It's what they have quarterback and Connor Wigman, uh, who played a little bit last year as a freshman and, you know, showed some promise, but certainly wasn't great. And it's what you said. It's it's Bobby Petrino back in the SEC. It's how much can he change in a Texas A&M offense that was outdated and really bad the last two years. And how much, is Jimbo Fisher going to give up the reins? I mean, just yeah. uh, last week at media day, he you know wouldn't say that, wouldn't admit, or wouldn't give up the the right that Petrino was going to call plays. So uh, I think a is a fascinating team. I think they're a really talented team. I think they're probably a lot better uh, than a common fan would think when you just look. All right, it went five and seven last year. Their offense yeah. was a disaster, and maybe the offense will be a disaster again. But I think it'll be. It's not likely that they'll they won't at least have some improvement. The defense is good, but we talked about it with UTSA. There's some things not to like about the spot for Tennessee. There's uh, a lot of things here that I think you have to like the spot uh, for Tennessee. Tennessee, like you just said, coming off a bye week, Josh Heifel, I don't remember having all the numbers in front of me, but he's been fantastic in his career. I think it's what he's had five seasons as a head coach now. I believe it's four and one uh, coming off of bye weeks. In his two years at Tennessee, coming off the bye week, they beat Kentucky, scoring like 40 points two years ago, and they dominated LSU and Baton Rouge last year. So they've been great in that spot. On the other case, AM's coming off of three straight huge games. They're going to play uh, LSU, or excuse me, they're going to play Auburn, uh, and then they play Alabama the week before. I'm forgetting who they play the two weeks, uh, the week in between those two games. It is Arkansas. So three straight SEC games coming into this one. Uh, for Texas A&M, Tennessee's coming off a bye. It's in Knoxville. You look at the SEC slate that day, I'm hard-pressed to think that game won't be a CBS or a night game. It should be an absolutely electric Neyland Stadium, and I think it's a game Tennessee will win. Uh, A&M is good, but again, this is a game where I think you look from Tennessee's standpoint, you're like, all right, I'm glad that a lot of the things schedule-wise work in our advantage uh, because it's a, it could be the difference for for what's a pretty good A&M team, I think. It, it could be. That's a, such a great point, and, and... That's honestly, in some ways, kind of what my initial opposite thinking was the Florida game, right? There's so many variables that who knows which one of just kind of those home field advantages could push them over the top. I, I think in some ways that's true with this Tennessee A&M game. I, I, I don't know what A&M going to look like in week seven of the season. I don't think a lot of people do. The question with Texas A&M is they will be better than they were last year. But how much is it? A little yep. bit. Is it a lot of it? We don't know yet. And so I, I think that this is one of those really interesting games right there in the middle of the season that, and again, knowing you and I kind of have this belief that Tennessee could be sitting around 5-0 and at this point in the season. But I think what you said a second ago is maybe the most important part and that's Tennessee's coming off the bye week. Ryan, you actually wrote this article for Rocky Top Insider last year. You can go and find it on our website if you search the title, How Josh Heupel Coach Teams Have Fared Coming Off of an Open Date. You wrote here, uh, Heupel is 6-1 and one coming off open dates in his four previous years as a head coach and 1-0 and in his one matchup coming off a of bye while at Tennessee. That's pretty good. I, I think that Josh Heupel is very talented at that situation. And let me even go to week six right now here in the schedule. Go back a week and... A&M is taking on Alabama at home. They're going to be beaten up. They're going to be playing a very emotionally charged game the week before. Despite being at home, it's going to be tough to get on the road after that. They're likely going to be coming off after a loss. Meanwhile, Tennessee's just going to have to sit back, wait, get healthy, and prepare for that game. So despite it being weird, after we're talking about it, I feel 
actually pretty decent about predicting this game. And I do think that this is a winnable game for Tennessee and one that Tennessee will win. Now, I got to be careful, though, because now we're starting to get into this 6-0 Tennessee territory, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be there before we started this podcast today. But, hey, here we are, and we are heading into a massive, massive matchup, my friend. Ryan, we talked about revenge from a Tennessee perspective just a couple weeks earlier in the preview Now Tennessee kind of goes on the opposite end of that. The Vols will travel to Tuscaloosa on Saturday, October 21st, the third Saturday in October. It lines up pretty cleanly there too, kind of 7, 14, 21. You get them on the 21st. But I'll be honest with you, my friend, this is not one that I feel good about immediately for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about with with other games kind of in Tennessee's favor. This is an Alabama team who obviously is going to be talented, obviously is going to be a strong program, does have their question marks like anybody else would, and the quarterback position being one of those and being extremely important. But this feels like it's going to be a significant, significant challenge to go in there to beat Nick Saban for a second consecutive year, but to do it in Tuscaloosa nonetheless, this is going to be tough. I I know they made a a valiant effort in in Josh Heupel's first year. If I remember correctly, that was late in the season. They had not had a bye week yet. They fought for the first half. Alabama certainly ran away late in the game and really in the second half. But this one, I, I, I challenge, or excuse me, I have a challenge thinking about how Tennessee is going to win this game. Where are you sitting at? Well, you say Alabama has, you know, question marks everybody does. Alabama don't a lot of years. Not the question marks they have this season. Sure. Not the question marks they have at quarterback. And the fact that they had to go to the transfer portal after the spring and grab a guy in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who frankly hasn't been very good in his college career. So it, it's – I think a lot of people are in this boat that I'm in where Alabama's going to play differently this year. going to kind of go back a little bit to the old-fashioned Nick Saban teams and run the ball a lot more. And the defense will be good. And I'm sure the receivers will probably be better than they had last year, but or they'll develop. But you know, you look at it right now. I look at Alabama's offense, and there's not one single person that just strikes fear in your heart. And I can't remember the last time I said that. So it's a mix of believing what I think the roster tells me, but doing that doubts Nick Saban and doubting Nick Saban time and time again has been proven ill-advised. So. <laughs> I don't know what to expect from Alabama this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they're, again, they're a 10-2 and two team that's good, but not at the standard they've been at. It feels, you know, dumb to think, oh, they couldn't go win the national title again. So, uh, again, Alabama's a team where I'm not really sure where I'm at with them. Uh, well, again, this is a game that I don't think is impossible for Tennessee to win, but like you said, it's going to be a really hard one, and going into Tuscaloosa and winning is going to be a real challenge. And you even you look at, Last year, you look at the last handful of years when Alabama's been a little bit more more vulnerable, they've still been really good at home. They've mainly been vulnerable on the road, and they've been really shaky in a lot of games. And besides Texas A&M last year, they barely won at home when Bryce Young wasn't playing and couldn't start because of injury. They've been pretty darn good at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So I'm going to side with Alabama. I'm going to pick Alabama to win this game. But it's not it's not the same feeling entering the season that I have towards this game that I have, you know, basically the last 15 years, the last 20 years when this game has been in Tuscaloosa. So I think that 
Yeah, I, I think so much of what you're saying is correct. And you even go back to you go back to the schedule, right? So Alabama's going to host Arkansas the week before, which you're right. Despite the questions that the that the tide may have, I think that could certainly be a win for them. You're moving into a to to staying at home against Tennessee, and then the tide have a bye week right afterwards. So it's not even like they have anything to look forward to uh, on the other side of the Tennessee game. I think they're gonna, that a lot of effort's going to be put into this game. Again, I think that Nick Saban is going to be extremely tough to beat back to back. But you're right. Maybe there, maybe there are some doors open for Tennessee to creep through. We'll see what the team looks like at that point in the year. But I, I do agree with you. To me, this is where Tennessee fix, picks up their first loss of the season. Maybe it ends up being a second loss or whatever. But I do, uh, I do struggle to think about how Tennessee is going to win this game. Just being on the road, being against Nick Saban again, I think that's challenging. However, coming back the next week, Tennessee's got to go on the road once more, a second consecutive road game to close out the month of October. Ryan, Tennessee travels to take on Kentucky in Lexington. Kentucky bringing in a new quarterback as well. Kentucky seems to be stout on defense once again. It seems like that is is going to be just kind of on par, a, a solid defense like Kentucky is typically known for, but they have been rotating some pieces on the offensive end. We know that uh, the offensive line last year was not good, and that was one of the biggest problems of the Will Levis-led offense. We know yep. that they're they're replacing Will Levis. We know that they're replacing their running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr. They got the kid from Vanderbilt who, whose name is uh, escaping me right Ray now. Ray J. Davis. Ray, okay, yes. So I, I, I do wonder about Kentucky. I think this is a game that Tennessee can win, but it's, it's certainly one that fascinates me just kind of on a broad level. What about you? Yes, and, you know, I'm picking Kentucky to win this game, and I'm picking Kentucky oh, wow. to win this game because I think Tennessee, and I'm going to spoil something, I'm picking Georgia to beat Tennessee. I think Georgia, I think Tennessee will lose to Georgia and Alabama, and I think they'll drop one more game on the schedule. I don't think there's another team on the schedule Tennessee won't be favored against, but I think a lot of those games will be less than a touchdown favored, games that could go either way, and... I just think when you look at a factor of things, Kentucky would be the most likely. If you just told me in a vacuum, you just told me a vacuum a week from now, you asked me who's in a, who would win Tennessee-Kentucky, who would you take? I'd take Tennessee. But when we're going through it this way, I'm giving edge to Kentucky. And it's, again, kind of in a similar spot uh, that Tennessee has had before where it is they are they have played. This will be their – they're going into their bye week, or excuse me. They've played four straight games coming out of their bye week against SEC, three straight games against SEC opponents who are really stout. You're going South Carolina, AM, Alabama, three weeks leading into this game. That's a tough lead up into this Kentucky game. Kentucky is coming off a bye. It's on the road, uh, which, you know, outside of Florida and Missouri, who I think Tennessee, you know, are probably the worst of those teams that could potentially beat Tennessee. It's the only other game Tennessee has to go on the road in these middle class of games. So, uh, and I do think Kentucky's going to be better. I don't think there's been much talk about Kentucky. Mainly because they were so hyped up last offseason and they kind of fell on their face. Face sure. And now that I think Kentucky's going to be a ten-win team by any means, but they play a weak schedule like they typically all they almost always do. And I think they'll go back to being a nine and three, eight and four team. I think Devin Leary is good. I think he's better than any other transfer quarterback in the SEC. Like you said, I think their defense is solid, not great, but solid. And uh, the big question mark to me is just the offensive line. They were so bad at that spot last year. Uh, they have added tons of guys in the portal. Uh, how much better will that make them? You know, time will tell. It's a game again. I feel dirty. Just I just I feel dirty just picking Kentucky to beat Tennessee. It is such an opposite of what has happened in this series. Um, but with my fact that I think at this point Tennessee will go nine and three, 
I think it is the most likely, or at least uh, if you're going to put the odds of what's Tennessee's percent chances of winning Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, A&M, Florida, I think this one's the lowest. So I'll pick it as a loss. Yeah, man, it's hard to disagree with you there. You know, it, obviously you spell out those points really smoothly, and I see exactly what you're saying. And, you know, yeah, you, you, they're bringing in a, a solid quarterback who, who should be able to kind of right the ship a little bit in kind of certain ways. But I don't know. For me, I, I, I am going to pick Tennessee in this game. I think that Tennessee can go on the win and win in Lexington. I think that's obviously something they've done before in the Josh Heupel era. I don't think that they're going to be intimidated by an environment like that, depending on, you know, no matter kind of when the time is. I, I believe that first win in the Heupel era, that deep 45 to 42 win, if I remember correctly, that was a night game because I remember you and I being freezing cold doing our stand up after the game. So I'm going to pick Kentucky, or excuse me, I'm going to pick Tennessee to beat Kentucky. But it does start to make me a little nervous that I'm I'm sitting here kind of projecting a ten and two season. I, I might go back and change one of my picks here uh, as we get to the end of this podcast. I didn't I did not want to end up ten and two. Um, I thought I was maybe going to feel differently about the Kentucky game once we got here, but no, I, I just do feel like this is a game that Tennessee's not intimidated by. I, I think they can be rolling. Now, the, the loss to Alabama the week before could impact things, and again, being away from Knoxville two times in, in two weeks, that is going to be a challenge, but I am going to pick Tennessee here as we move into the month of November. Ryan, Tennessee comes back home. I believe this is what will be the homecoming game on Saturday, November 4th, the Yukon Huskies. Head to Knoxville. Yeah, and then one last thing I'll say to recap okay. Kentucky and, and you know just how dirty I feel. I mean, I'm I feel horrible picking Kentucky. Yeah, I, I can I can see it in your face. I can't. Yeah, it's just it's such a dirty. It's so. And my final thought is just so many worse Tennessee teams have gone and beaten Kentucky teams of this caliber in Lexington that it feels dirty. So that's my last thought, and then I'll move on to UConn and look Jim Mora in his first season at Connecticut. You know, did a lot better than people expected, made Connecticut better than they've been. They're still not much. And this is a game that, while it's a little bit bigger name than maybe you, Tib and Tennessee has typically played in this late October, early November slot. I guess they played UT Martin last year. I think uh, maybe South Alabama or in Heifel's first year, UAB in, in 2019, maybe. It's a bigger name than that. It's only a bigger name because of the football program. <laughs> Almost all of those teams, besides UT Martin, are. Uh, better football schools than UConn is. I think this is a game Tennessee uh, wins with with relative ease. And, and, uh, you know, if my prediction holds true uh, and they do lose to Alabama, Kentucky back-to-back, it'll be a nice bounce-back spot and an opportunity for them to take out some frustration on the Huskies. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like homecoming. I think homecoming's fun. I enjoyed it as a student. I like when the people come together. I, I don't know. I In some ways, I'm more concerned about the homecoming festivities right now. As the, the to, horse on the field. Yes. Uh, I'm more interested to see what the pride of the Southland's going to whip out during the halftime performance uh, as opposed to what's going to happen between the lines in the game. I, Ryan, you, you spelled it out right. I, I think this is a this is a game, no matter what happened in the last two weeks, it could be 1-1, it could be 0-2, who knows, it could be 2-0, but I think no matter what happens, you're likely looking at at least one loss in the last two weeks. This is kind of a time to come back home, you get to reset now, you're going to have to go back on the road again one more time next, but you do get to come home, you get to reset, you get to get a good win, get everybody back on the same page as you head into the final stretch of the season, which, coming up next on Tennessee's schedule, Saturday, November 11th, third to last game of the season, Tennessee travels to Columbia to take on M-I-Z-Z-O-U, the Missouri Tigers. 
and, and what will probably be a freezing cold game yeah. in mid-November in Columbia. I'm already shivering thinking about it. Uh, Ryan, I don't have too many kind of concerns about about this team, uh, but I, I'll tell you what, I, I think maybe out of all the teams in this list, Missouri might just be the one I, I kind of have the least background knowledge yet before fall camp starts, I, but I don't necessarily feel concerned about this game. I don't know. Help me out. What, what do you think about the Tigers and what kind of challenge they're going to present with them being at home, Tennessee being on the road, and again, what is going to be a freezing environment? Yeah, well, I don't necessarily expect a raucous crowd. And again, that could obviously change depending on how Missouri's season goes. But Ferret Field, not a particularly hard place to play. Tennessee's last two times there, I was there in 2019. It was a dismal crowd. And I wasn't there in 2021, but I remember the crowd shots. It was a dismal crowd. So I don't worry about that as much. There are minor South Carolina vibes to this game, just in the fact that it's a team that I think Tennessee's better okay. in. It's a team that Tennessee has beat up. And when I say South Carolina vibes, I mean South Carolina vibes of last year uh, because it's a team Tennessee's beat up in the last couple of years. They're going on the road to play them in November, late in the season. And I do think there's some offensive talent that Missouri has. Luther Burton's a really good player. And sure. their defense was really much, much improved last season. But the quarterback position is still such a question mark to me. It looks like it'll be Brady Cook again. He has not been very good. Maybe there's a big jump. Uh, but when you look at a team that I think Tennessee has more talent than and is better than at the quarterback position, and I don't think there is going to be a massive uh, you know, home field advantage they're playing in, uh, I'm going to side with Tennessee, uh, even though I, I do see some you know, maybe very basic similarities to the South Carolina game last year. Yeah, I see what you're saying there, and that's an interesting point that I, I hadn't really thought of just – when you're kind of combing through the the schedule, looking at names, looking at numbers, looking at letters, and that's it. Yeah, you see at Missouri, and I think you feel pretty good, but you're right. Maybe that could be a little bit of a sneaky spot. I still think that this is a place where Tennessee can go and handle business, and frankly, they're going to have to. I, I, I do not think that you can afford to give yourself any kind of doubt, any kind of negativity, any type of momentum uh, halting event which leads you to the penultimate game of the regular season coming up back home against Georgia. I just think that you want to obviously be going into that game at, at full strength with full momentum. I think that you need to be good going into that game. I think that Missouri could be, you know, a little bit of a, not maybe not challenging, but a little bit of an interesting stepping stone. Again, it's going to be a tough environment. Uh, it, it's going to be tough conditions, but I think that Tennessee can get the win here and then come back home and prepare for what's going to be a, a massive massive game with SEC East implications on the line. Obviously, we've talked about some of the other games, and we don't know how Georgia's schedule is going to shake out, although I think we feel pretty confident that Georgia's schedule is going to shake out perfectly fine for them. But the Bulldogs, the reigning back-to-back national championship uh, champions, head to Knoxville on Saturday, November 18th for, again, the second-to-last game of the season. This is going to be one of two straight home games for Tennessee to close the year. Look, we, we know that Georgia is returning absolute firepower. We know that they're, they're still going to be uh, an absolute, man, I was going to say top dog, but, I, you know, I, that, that's too corny. That's just way too corny. I cannot do that. People will roast me for a long time. They're going to be one of the best in the business. There's no doubt about it. Tennessee wants revenge from last year, but this is a tough team to track that on. Where are you kind of feeling with this game right here? Well, you're right. And, and I think I'll start by saying, I think, you know, maybe the goal for the Tennessee season, as I see it, and my prediction, you know, just probably wouldn't be the case. But I think maybe the goal 
for Tennessee season because this would probably mean ten and two again, which would be a high goal. But it'd be you want this game to be SEC East on the line. You want to have one loss in conference play, and if you beat yeah. Georgia and take care of Vince against Vanderbilt the next week, you'll win the SEC East. So I think that should be the goal for Tennessee, a high goal, uh, but not an implausible one either. Look, it's just I have a hard time seeing Tennessee beating Georgia. I, I just think the talent gap is still uh, a step away or a couple classes away. And look, Georgia hasn't lost a regular season football game since November 7th, 2020. <laughs> that's a long time ago and they've been the best program in the sec uh, since they won the national title that or that next year in 2021 they've just been really really good and i guess the last thing i'll say i'm picking georgia to win the last thing i'll say is i was on chase thomas podcast and we were talking about this shout game out. you know a couple weeks back yeah shout out and i thought chase had, he doesn't make too many of these but i thought he made a really good point that i i <laughs> We actually, I'll give you two. He had two takes back to back. One I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with one of them anymore. And I thought this one was brilliant. His first one was he thought it was more likely Tennessee beats Alabama than Florida. I thought that was absolute nonsense. This one though, I thought there was some truth in it. And he said, you know, Tennessee can once again have like a top ten, top fifteen offense. I think there's a better chance Tennessee wins this game if they come into it with two or three losses than if they do with one loss or no loss. And the SEC East is on the line. And I think there's some truth in that. That if in my scenario where the game's not for the East and Tennessee already has two losses and Georgia's undefeated, you know, I think Tennessee could sneak up on Georgia a little bit. And not that truly sneak up. It'll probably still be Georgia's biggest regular season game of the season. But Georgia won't be in must-win territory. And Tennessee can, with a really good offense, you know, put up enough points to win. But if Tennessee is, you know, what would it be, 9-1 and going in this game, 10-0, I just think Georgia, when Georgia is fully locked in on you, and this is the game, there is nothing that matters more than this game for yeah. Georgia. The talent level, to me, the talent gap is still too big at this point for me to, to pick Tennessee to win. So I'll take Georgia. Uh, there's kind of a lot of handful of, to me, interesting side things you could look at at this game. Um, but it, it's just, like I said, haven't lost the regular season game since early November when Dan Mullen rolled him up in Jacksonville in 2020. So uh, it's hard for me to think. And no role into this game undefeated when you look at what they have on the schedule before it. Uh, it's yeah. hard for me to think Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. Yeah, Georgia will host Ole Miss the week before. they they I believe they take on uh, Georgia Tech in the final uh, regular season game of the year, a, a, as usual. Yeah, Ryan, I, I think really interesting points brought up. And, and the one that I'm still kind of thinking about here in the back of my mind, and I probably will for a couple of days going forward, is just that that hypothetical that you brought. Maybe would it be... Would it be more advantageous for Tennessee just just strictly to get a win to maybe enter this game with a little bit less pressure if you do have a little bit more losses? I don't know what this game is going to look like uh, from the Tennessee perspective. We obviously know that there's a lot of question marks, but like you're saying, I, I think we know that Georgia is going to bring a stacked team to the season the entirety of the year. Can Georgia be susceptible at times? That, it's rare, but yes, I, I think we saw that in the Missouri game last year, right? They can be susceptible at, susceptible at times, but it is just so impossibly tough right now to beat Georgia in a true four-quarter game despite being at home. Maybe you're on the road. Maybe you're at a neutral site. It, it is such a challenge just because of the ultimate talent that they have, the coaching that they have. Uh now, obviously, they are going to be bringing in a new quarterback. I, b- I believe they are bringing in a new, not bringing in, but they did promote Mike Bobo uh, to offensive coordinator, who 
uh, I believe was an offensive analyst for the for Georgia last year. So maybe some interesting things to think about. But at this point in the season, penultimate game of the year, I think this is just going to be a, a downright challenge for Tennessee. And I do look at this as a loss for the Vols at home. Probably the only home loss of the year for Tennessee. Yeah, we both have picked that uh, from how it goes. And you're right. I think that's a good point with Carson Beck and Mike Bobo that, you know, maybe if you got them earlier in the season in September, things would be a little less polished then. But you you would think by week 12, you know, they're going to be pretty dialed in. And, uh, you know, you made the point, and we both talked about it, how hard it is to beat Georgia when you got their full attention. And, you know, not that this was the difference factor in the game last year, but I was thinking about it last week. Couldn't have gone better. Could not have gone better for Georgia last year, how things played out and the fact that, College football playoff committee and Tennessee number one the week before, just right into that game, number one, uh, and the disrespect that kind of Georgia got to legitimately uh, bolster a little bit that year. So uh, I think that did not play to Tennessee's advantage. It played very much uh, against Duvall's, and uh, it could go the opposite way this year, and Tennessee could slide under the radar. But even then, I think it's going to be hard to do just because Georgia's schedule is so weak. I have a hard time thinking Tennessee won't be the toughest game on that schedule. Final game of the season for Tennessee's regular season slate coming up on Saturday, November 25th. This is obviously the game that's right around Thanksgiving each year. Tennessee hosts Vanderbilt. Ryan, I don't have too much about this one. I think we've we've hit the biggest games of the year so far. We obviously have a, uh, an in-state clash or rivalry clash right here. But I don't, I don't see too many challenges for Tennessee. I'm going to throw it over to you. It sounds like there's an earthquake going on in my apartment right now. So go ahead and take over. I think you're right in that, you know, this is one Tennessee should take care of. And I would, you know, I did the rankings last week of Tennessee's most important games on the schedule. And I had UTSA ahead of Vanderbilt. And I'm usually pretty particular to keep all those SEC games higher. And I know there's some optimism uh, on West End that this will be uh, a better Vanderbilt team in Clark Lee's third season. They obviously did show some signs of growth last year, beating Kentucky and Florida. Um, So, you know, maybe they can get to six wins, but, even then, that feels like a little bit of a stretch. And even if they do get to six wins and they roll into this game six and five, I think Tennessee is going to be the far superior team, the far, far more talented team. And look, I, if anyone's diehard RTI listeners, they'll remember that I was a little bit worried about Tennessee going into the Vanderbilt game last year because of what the gut punch they took the week before and the fact that Vanderbilt was playing better and they could make a bowl game with a with a win Tennessee could have ran the ball every single play in that game last year and won by 50 points. So it's hard for me uh, after, you know, seeing how wide the gap was between these two teams last year to think Vanderbilt will will be able to do enough in in one year's time to close it. Uh, So I think Tennessee wins this one with ease and ends a regular season with a nine and three record. Yeah, for so many reasons, I, I, I certainly agree. And I think that that is a spot where Tennessee lands at, Sorry, I'm a little bit distracted right now. Again, there is a true earthquake going on uh, in my residence. I go back to that Florida game, and, and that's the one game left on the schedule that I have a little bit of hesitation with with my pick. I, I, I truly don't know where that's going to go, and it's, and it's such a weird one because, again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, Florida is a less talented team than Tennessee. I, I think that's clear. They're, they're bringing in new, new pieces. They're working backwards from where they were last year. They're going into a... a a trying year two of the Billy Napier area era, but I just think that this is going to be a, a, a challenge for Tennessee in the third week of the season. We'd already know that it's going to be a night game, which, hey, the, the timing of the night game could affect games later on, you know, in the season. We just don't know what all those times are going to be, but I do agree with you. I think that nine and three is a, is a fair landing spot 
uh, for Tennessee, just kind of hearing these early predictions. And like we said, they, they might change here in the next month or so as fall camp continues to roll on, as we keep an eye on what's going on in the rest of the SEC. But uh, Ryan, I think that pretty much does it for uh, – for 2023 schedule predictions. Now, if you have any, any other closing thoughts, uh, feel free to share. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, drive us home, take us out of the intro. There's just crazy stuff going on, and the people deserve better. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and have a word with some people after this. But go ahead and close us out. I think you're right. Pretty much nine and three. That's a good landing spot. Yeah, it feels like the safe landing spot for sure. And you know, I think 10 and 2, 9 and 3, or excuse me, 8 and 4 are both in the realms of possibility. I would side with 10 and 2 being more likely than 8 and 4. Uh, but again, it just goes back to what you mentioned earlier. We've talked about, we've written about the big questions, number seven for Tennessee. If Joe Milton plays well, 10 and 2 is extremely plausible, if not likely, and 8 and 4 is really unlikely. If Joe Milton plays poorly, then 8 and 4 becomes a, a real possibility, and 10 and 2 uh, it becomes a stretch. So, that's kind of my final thoughts, and that'll wrap it up for us on today's episode of the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Schumbert. You can find us uh, on all social medias. Rick, I actually don't know Rick's Twitter handle. Uh, I'm not even going to give my Rick yeah, underscore Butler. No K like the Nature Boy himself. No K like the Nature Boy himself. You can find me at rshump00, R S C H U M P 0 Find us at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, all social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the new the new uh, Twitter version that Instagram's doing. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. Threads. Threads. You can find us on Threads. We're there. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. It's slowing down, and, and but we're there. We'll see what happens with it. We're there for the time being. If uh, Twitter implodes, we'll, we'll be go a little more full steam ahead. So find us on all socials on RockyTopInsider.com. And thank you for joining us for a little season preview edition of the RTI Press Pass. Football season's gearing up. Fall practice will get going next week. Uh, we'll provide all the coverage you need at rockytopinsider.com. Thanks for joining us.